Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain and logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Ty Bordner, who is Senior VP of Marketing and Business Development at Amber Road. And today we're going to talk about digitizing the global supply chain. Now, this is a topic that continues to generate a lot of interest and discussion in the industry. And you know, in reality, it's really about a transformation uh, journey. Um, and although there's a lot of great potential benefits at the end of that journey, a lot of companies are asking a, a question, which is, am I ready to embark on this journey? You know, what are some of the prerequisites that are required before taking that first step? And you know, once we go on this journey and take those, those steps, you know, what are the different ways that we can actually you know, derive value? Um, so those are some of the questions we're going to kind of touch upon in today's episode. And it's great to, you know, have Ty in the program to share his insights and perspective on this topic. So Ty, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Adrian. It's good to be here. Now, Ty, uh, you're a first time guest here on Talking Logistics. And uh, like I always like to do whenever we bring in a new guest, I'm always curious in, in terms of, you know, how people got involved with supply chain logistics to begin with. So before we dive into kind of digital supply chain here, uh, why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved in supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Amber Road? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I started out in school. I was uh, studied math and computer science, so uh, a bit of a geek. And uh, my first job was with GE coming out of school, uh, working for a company in Rockville, Maryland called GE Information Services, a small division of GE. And uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, I guess I was already in the supply chain and didn't realize it. Um, so uh, GE uh, IS or GEIS, as it was called, it's uh, um, was really uh, doing a lot of EDI uh, transactions was the main part of the business. So, um, you know, what used to be called a van, uh, exchanging a lot of electronic information. And again, unbeknownst to me, this was a lot of stuff around the global supply chain, purchase orders and ASNs and some other things. So um, I'd worked there for about seven years and then I got uh, recruited to go to a, it was mid nineties, remember, which was a crazy time in the, uh, in the IT world. So I got recruited to go to this small company um, called Export Software International, and uh, which ultimately, a few years later after I joined them, we renamed it Vastera. So, uh, and at the time, by the name, you can tell it was really only focused on exports, but uh, over time, it was really all aspects of uh, global trade in the supply chain. So I sort of fell into it in that regard. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another. I spent 10 years at Vastera, and I've been at uh, Amber Road now for over 12 years. So really been in the hardcore, I guess, uh, global supply chain space for over 22 years. Well, yeah, great. I, I love, that's why I love asking this question, just to see the, uh, you know, the different journeys yeah. there. And, you know, I'm also, you know, an engineer, but, you know, by background, and I started my career at Motorola uh, in new product development and manufacturing. So I always tell folks, you know, I was in supply chain before I even knew what supply chain was, you know, exactly. yeah, me back too. then. And, you know, as an industry analyst now for, you know, over 19 years, I remember Vastera in those days and, and uh, you know, certainly now uh, Amber Road kind of being, uh, you know, in the forefront of what's happening in the, in the global trade arena here. So uh, uh, welcome on this journey. Um, yeah. so, so now let's, let's talk about the topic at hand here. You know, like I said, a lot of discussion these days about, you know, digitizing, you know, the supply chain. But, you know, what exactly, you know, does that mean? I mean, how do you define it? Yeah, I mean, I think the word digitizing and as the Europeans say, digitalizing and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's such a big word and it means so many different things to so many different aspects of business. And of course, today, it's, the, it's really, I think, maybe the, the, the largest theme that's really involved in all parts of business, not just the supply chain. 
Um, and of course, Amber Road, we focus on the global supply chain. So I'll try to I'll try to uh, you know phrase my comments in terms of the global supply chain. I think um, you know for people that are trying to digitize around the global supply chain, it, it, it's really about eliminating paper, right? It's about uh, well, and I say paper, it's, you know, PDF files or Word documents or even, frankly, emails, certainly, and even spreadsheets uh, can be equated to paper or paper-like. It means you can't process these things uh, in an automated, you know, digital way. They may be digital in a sense, right? A PDF file is digital, but it's not truly digitalized in the sense that I can't have a software program that does something with it. So, so it really starts with just eliminating the paper and building a model um, that is uh, robust relative to your realm. So if we're talking global supply chain, we're talking about a model that can deal with all the aspects of global trade, of the global supply chain, which is big. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not discounting it, it's, it's a big task. But it's being able to structure this data that was formerly on paper or in Word documents or in Excel spread, spreadsheets or perhaps even you know, some small access databases and putting it into a structure that is the model of the, again, the realm, in this case, the global supply chain. So, uh, you know, that's the beginning of digitization. I mean, you can digitize your processes by doing that. And then, of course, there's a lot of things after that that, that result in, in, in real value. But, uh, you know, um, doing that, having a master database of your, uh, you know, again, master data, product data for the most part, but it's also your your entities that you're dealing with could be your partners, your you know 3PL providers, forwarders, brokers, but uh, uh, even your customers and your suppliers uh, in a master database. And you know, as I'm sure we'll talk later throughout this uh, discussion, that you know that really is the key to uh, unlocking the value through digitization. Yeah, no, I, I you brought up a lot of great points there, and, and I think this whole area of um, you know one of the things that that kind of came to my mind as you were you're talking there in terms of, you know, moving away from kind of these paper-based documents or even PDFs and things like that, that they may be electronic in one form. But really, I think what, what it is, is you, you hear so much talk about today, the, the, the importance of having the ability to make smarter and faster business decisions. And you talk about business intelligence and analytics. And in many ways, the precursor to be able to do that is you have to be able to have that that information, that data in a format, in a form, in an aggregated way to be able to do that analysis, be able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, see those opportunities out there. Otherwise, you know, if it's spread around many different uh, electronic documents or, or things like that, you just really can't get that complete view, particularly when you're talking about global supply chain, we're dealing with so many different trading partners and so many different entities that are involved in that whole end-to-end -end process, right? Uh, you're, you're, that's exactly right. That's the key. That's the key. So I think that leads me to, to, to my next question. I mean, um, you know, where does the journey, you know, ultimately begin? I mean, in other words, I mean, what, are there any, you know, almost like when you're taking a college course, are there any prerequisites, you know, to, to getting on this yeah. journey? Yeah, class 101, right? <laughs> what, what, is, what is 101? Well, like I said, you got to have a digital model that can structure the data. Um, you know, without that, it's hard to unlock it. But, you know, when you start to think about what are then the things that you can do with that data to start to begin to unlock the value you know we've kind of classified it into three areas um, and you mentioned one of them already analytics but you know we, we, we look at things in three ways we look at collaboration clearly in the supply chain realm and global supply chain realm you know sharing information with others is uh, you know is a good uh, it's a good practice right uh, it's a good it's part it's part of in, in essence what what the supply chain is 
And certainly as you look at it from a global perspective, it gets even more important because, you know, you have more parties uh, that, are, that are involved in a global move and they're spread out across the world. And you may not, you know, you may not be able to walk across the street and talk to them, right? They're all over the world. They speak different languages and different time zones. So collaboration uh, is one of, one of the elements. Um, if I can go into that a little bit, uh, we kind of break it up into two ways. If you think about collaboration, you know, one way is I call it, I'll, I'll label it visual collaboration which means, you know, uh, certainly with the advent of the internet and web browsers, we can put things on a screen. So now we can collaborate with people by sharing information on a web browser. Of course, you know, you have to have the right security to make sure that people only see the data that they need to see. But this, this is what we're talking about here uh, with regard to visual collaboration, sharing that information, uh, not just visibility, not just making it visible and read only, but also collecting information from the extended supply chain partners, you know, your suppliers, your brokers, forwarders, et cetera. Um, and the other way to collaborate is, is through an electronic, electronically, right? So we're really talking about, you know, going back to my beginnings at, uh, at GE or at Geis is, uh, you know, sharing information, whether that's through EDI or certainly today, you know, you've got XML um, and, and maybe there's some other ways that are starting to evolve too right now. Some of the new things that are happening that you can start to share information electronically. So, you know, you're, basically eliminating the rekeying of this data over and over and over again. And certainly that takes resources and manpower to do that. It takes time, it slows things down, but it also causes errors, right? People rekey data, they're making, they're making mistakes, not, not because they want to, just because it, it happens, right? So if I can, sh I can have data and I can collect it one time, I can share it, share it via my you know, web browser through, through uh, you know, if you will, portals. And I can then also share that information electronically with, uh, you know, um, whatever means necessary, then I'm really creating a lot of value and efficiency. Yeah. Second, uh, well, sorry, that was just, just the first way. Yeah, uh, so before yeah. you go into the other two ways, just a quick yeah. question on the collaboration piece. Um, you, you know, I actually wrote a blog post this, uh, this week on, on blockchain. I mean, there's a lot of hype and a lot of discussion on blockchain. And I think there, there are a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of, you know, challenges associated with blockchain. But is this an area where, in terms of the collaboration piece, particularly with the exchange of data and, and the different documents involved and everything else? Is this an area that you see blockchain potentially have a role in? Yes, I do. I think that, uh, first of all, the blockchain things that are popping up all over are, are, are very varied, right? So it's not one type of thing. But I think, you know, some of the things that are going ongoing, you may have seen IBM and uh, Maersk are, are formed a joint venture to do some things. And if you, if you look at and study what they're doing, I think a large part of what their uh, goal is and initiative is, is that is collaboration, right? Is being able to share this information to the various parties across the supply chain that need to see it at the right time. So yes, uh, I think I think something like that is exactly what I'm talking about. And that was actually a reference. So one of the, one of the new ways is is I think the blockchain to help facilitate that. Great. So you so we talked about collaboration. What what are the other you know two ways to kind of yeah. drive yeah. value well, from this? So the second way that we've again we said three ways. The second way is what we call automation, uh, which again is a, certainly a, a term being used today and. Um, sometimes I think it gets mixed up with artificial intelligence and machine learning and automation. I kind of forget those three things. Um, and I'll put artificial intelligence and machine learning in their own bucket, but you know, automation is just old fashioned, you know, good old fashioned automation. I mean, it's just letting a, a piece of computer software, you know, do something in an instance that might take a human being a significant amount of time to go do, um, you know, whether that's uh, sending an alert, 
at the right time in an automated way to the people that need to get that alert. Maybe the alert says, hey, my, uh, my supplier is not going to deliver on the order that they said they were going to deliver because I, can, I see the information that's in the system and they don't have the raw materials on hand right now to make that delivery on Friday, as an example. Or it could be an alert that says, hey, my, uh, the ocean vessel is, uh, you know, two hours outside the port. Um, it's, uh, and I know through maybe some predictive analytics that I know how long it will take to get through customs and it'll get there, you know, three hours from now. And I can send alert to the drayage company to have their truck ready, have their truck come pick up the goods three hours, right? I can send an alert to the warehouse or the distribution center where those goods are destined that in five hours from now, they better have uh, X amount of staff on hand to be able to unload the truck and, you know, have a forklift operator available. So we're starting to get to where we can really optimize these kinds of human resources. And of course, it's always good to know when things are, uh, things are going to be late or delayed as well. Um, and, and, you know, another big thing just in the global trade world is, as I'm sure uh, uh, the, the uh, viewers know, you know, handling the global uh, trade uh, regulations, export import regulations is, is, is becoming more and more and more difficult. So from an automation standpoint, software today can look at what you're moving, where you're moving it from to what it is and tell you in an instant, what are the pieces of data that you need to clear customs on the import side or to, you know, what do you need to do on the export side to uh, get those goods out of the country? And so automating that process isn't just a, a labor or a workforce reduction, it's managing risk, uh, making sure that you're doing the right thing, and, and, and also just, just providing a way to do this globally. I just don't know how you hire enough people today that know all the regulations all over the world. It becomes, becomes a real just, just plain old difficult task to do that. So automation helps in that regard. Right, and you, those regulations are changing all the time too. So. Exactly, so it's hard to keep up, right? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for making that point. And the third way is, uh, as you mentioned early in the in the discussion here, is uh, analytics, and it's you know the ability to uh, gain value out of. Uh, first of all, again, you need that database, right? You need the database that has the central location of all this data and and have it digitized, uh, digital, digitally uh, uh, mastered, if you will, and have the uh, transaction history. So. As you start to then process your export and import transactions all over the world, and you have all the data about those transactions, you know how long it took each transaction to get from point A to point B. You can connect the purchase orders to the factory orders to the you know one-to-many shipments, or frankly, many-to-one shipments, because sometimes they get consolidated. But then you can track the movement of those goods throughout the world, and then you can, of course, track the movement all the way and, the, and until final payment. So having a database of all that information is, uh, as you might have imagine is incredibly valuable and you can start to mine that data for all sorts of uh, things you can start to look at you know well uh, what might have been my opportunity to look at all my goods that I've moved over the last year or two years or whatever and what trade agreements could have may have may they have been eligible for and then I can do, take that information and see well I might have been leaving you know 10 20 30 or 100 million dollars worth of, of duties that I could have saved if I would have taken advantage of a trade agreement um, you know, you can start to look at um, your suppliers and look back to their, their tiered suppliers, so who are their suppliers and so forth, and get a handle on the amount of risk that might exist in your supply chain. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's really all sorts of analytics. It's, it's, you know, we won't be able to discuss all of them here, but the, the amount, the, the ability to have those things at your fingertips is, uh, is key. And so, you know, the three areas, again, collaboration, automation, and analytics 
are the three key areas that we think just about everything falls into one of those categories in terms of digitizing the global supply chain. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great kind of framework or, or way to, you know, you know, think, of, think about things. Certainly collaboration, you know, it's one of those terms that get, it gets used a lot, you know, in, in the industry. And, but really at the foundation of, of collaboration is one, the ability to, you know, uh, uh, you know, connect or get integrated with your trading partners to be able to exchange, you know, information in a, in a timely, uh, you know, in a timely manner, you know, with all of, all of them. So everyone's working off the same version of the truth, if you will. And then you're able to not only see the information, uh, perhaps through the analytics and, and, and uh, uh, you know, BI pieces of it, but then be able to take some action, you know, on that. And inevitably, when you talk about global supply chains, you know, you get, you, it's not one entity that needs to take action. It's usually multiple entities that need to take action. And being able to synchronize that and, uh, you know, through, through a platform, uh, I, I think is, is critical. Then automation, I think, you know, to your point, um, there are so many moving parts <laughs> to a global supply chain that I, I love that you say, I don't think you can, a company can hire enough people, you know, if they had to do this manually or, or, or do it all. Even something as simple as, not really simple, but even something like, you know, doing a restricted party screening, you know, if, if that's not, if that's something that's not automated in some way, uh, you know, that can, cons, cons, you know, considerably bog down the whole process. Yeah. And just to jump in there, I mean, we can't automate everything, right? It's, it's, uh, you know, at least not, at least not for a while. Um, so, but, but we want to do a process by exception. So let the software do what it can do. And when it can't, uh, have an answer for instance restricted party screening the software can only detect that the name and address that's in the in, in there might be a restricted party can never really be 100% sure some people have you know names that are similar or the same as people on the list but we like to kick that out then to a human being to make that final decision and of course there's a lot of examples around that but but yes automation is uh, valuable and important yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point around exception management because I think really that's the, the ultimate goal that I hear from a lot of companies is, you know, we want to really focus on those things that are truly exceptions, you know, which are, let's just say for the sake of argument, the 80-20 rule, right? All that 80% of the stuff that, you know, is running fine, let it go, right? Let it move, let it be automated, let it run as smoothly as possible. Let's focus our resources, you know, on that 20% of those things that really need our, our, our attention. Um, so based on the companies that you work with, you know, and companies that are kind of further along on, on this journey, um, you know, what are, what are some of the actual value or benefits that, that they've been achieving? I mean, what are some of those key metrics that are getting, you know, positive yeah. impacted here? Yeah, I, well, I think, I think there's, you know, kind of two really big ones, and then there's maybe one sort of overarching one, but uh, the, I mean, just efficiency, right? I mean, that's really what, what, what this does, right? It creates efficiency, and there's many, many different ways. I mean, there's, 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 um, hard dollar efficiency, just hard dollar savings on, if you can provide as a company, provide your three PLs, you know, mostly I'm talking about the forwarders and the carriers. If you can provide them a rich, robust electronic transaction that is the movement of the goods, the shipment, you know, whether it be an outbound movement or a uh, customs entry on the inbound side for the broker, uh, I mean, you have saved them a ton of work. Right. So, you know, they're charging you a certain amount of dollars today, um, but it's difficult for them. I and mean, they got a lot of folks that are picking up the phones, making phone calls to, you know, you and maybe asking for things like what's the valuation for this, which, you know, or what's the proper classification or what goods are, what are, what are these things and, and all sorts of other things. And so if you can give them the electronic data, they don't have to key it in. They know it's accurate because you know it's accurate. You're giving it to them. You know, their, their workload goes down. So you can, uh, you can reduce your fees that you're paying them and they'll gladly reduce the fees. 
um, they'll still they'll, they'll probably make more margin on the uh, on the uh, you know their, their work, but uh, they'll certainly reduce their their costs of having people you know run around get answers. And, and frankly, I mean, even even uh, you know these guys will admit. I mean, a lot of the mistakes are made, as I said earlier, by rekeying data and just and just having to make a decision, you know, because the goods need to move. So we got to make a decision. And, you know, if you get that decision wrong, well, that, that really comes back to bite you later with a lot extra costs. So, um, so efficiency, I mean, but there's, there's all kinds of, uh, man, all kinds of efficiency. I mean, part of what this does, the digitizing your supply chain is it moves goods quicker. Goods don't get stopped. You know, customs isn't asking for info because you've got it all. You've got it up front. You're reusing data over and over again. Um, so you've got all the info, so your goods move through customs. So now you're speeding your supply chain. So, you know, if a, if a typical international supply chain, you know, could be 45, 60 days, right, of, uh, from when the goods sort of moved and, until they were delivered, you might be able to cut three, four, five days out of that supply chain on average. And, and the time value of money and, and, you know, just many other things, customer satisfaction, you know, some things are hard, hard, to, hard to measure, but but you know that that really really goes up. I, I mentioned earlier just looking at things like trade agreements, and once you have your data digitized, you can then see what the opportunity is. And of course, it doesn't mean your goods qualify for a trade agreement, but but when because your data is digital, you can now determine that digitally, you know, in an instant. So you know, there, I think a lot of people don't really go after the value in trade agreements because it's too hard. And again, they don't have their data in a database. Duty deferral schemes, like in the foreign trade zone in the United States, or China has something called processing trade and many others, and uh, Europe has customs warehousing. You know, this is another uh, aspect of, of being digital that you can look at and manage your information and take advantage of some cost savings by deferring your duty for a period of time because it make, makes sense for your, for your business case. It may not always make sense, but it could. So, I mean, those are just some examples of efficiency. Um, I think the other big thing is risk. You know, once you have uh, a digital supply chain or global supply chain, you can manage your risk. You can understand, you know, certainly from regulation standpoint, everybody kind of understands that, right? Risk, you know, you, you can eliminate or almost eliminate your risk around not following the regs because you're having a piece of software, you know, check, check all these regulations for you. Uh, but, but from a supply chain perspective, I mean, just to make sure that you have a digital record of uh, the audits that your maybe third parties have done against your suppliers to make sure that they're socially compliant, they're ethical, they're environmentally sound, you know, they've got the correct, uh, you know, uh, fire uh, systems within their uh, factories and, and, and things of like that. I mean, I mean, you don't really don't want your brand hurt if you know, something goes wrong and you know, people were using child labor or they had some accident at the facility. So, so that's one aspect. Uh, the other aspect around risk is again being able to manage, uh, uh, you know, events or, or uh, strikes that might occur. Um, to be able to have a handle and, and the agility for you to maneuver your supply chain to access, uh, you know, new sources quickly. They maybe even in different countries. To be able to identify bottlenecks that might occur in your supply chain, sort of general bottlenecks, but also. You could have things that occur because they're weather related or, you know, years ago, if you remember the volcano uh, eruptions that occurred in, uh, in Europe that really, really uh, hurt people's supply chains. But just having a digital database that allows you to react to any sort of uh, external force, whether it be a labor, uh, as I mentioned, a labor force, a labor a strike or an event, uh, a weather event or some other thing that you can't even imagine today that could happen that, that allows you to then react to that. So I think managing risk in those three areas is, is, uh, is also 
one of the ways to extract value out of dig digitizing your supply chain. Yeah, and I, I like that you brought up risk. I mean, I, I often equate, you know, global supply chain management with risk management because, mm -hmm. you know, really for, for all the reasons you, you brought out, I mean, there, there's so much, you know, opportunities or potential uh, factors that can disrupt the supply chain, uh, particularly from a global, you know, perspective. And, and I think there have been studies that shown that any kind of supply chain disruption, you know, ultimately has significant impact on the financials uh, of the company and, you know, uh, even the brand, right? The brand reputation, what happens with the brand, you know, from, from uh, which again can have long lasting, uh, you know, effects. You know, the other point you brought up in terms of reducing, you know, the opportunities to take days out of the end-to-end -end supply chain. I mean, that is huge. That, that's one area that I know when a lot of companies are looking at the business value or trying to quantify the value, uh, just the amount of inventory that they're able to take out of the system. Because now if they've got more reliability and more true visibility in terms of how long, you know, it, it is, and they're able to take days out, days out equates to uh, millions of dollars of inventory yeah, exactly. that they have in safety stock, yeah. they can yeah. kind of reduce down a little bit. Um, so that's a huge, you know, the inventory management piece is, is, is another huge area, uh, you know, as well. Yeah, I think you're bringing that up. Yeah, I neglected to mention that, but absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked about a lot, of, a lot of things here. I mean, so what, what's next on the, uh, on the journey? I mean, what new technologies or capabilities or, or opportunities are there that, uh, you know, when you, within the context of digitizing the supply chain that, that companies ought to be thinking about? Yeah, we talked about one of them. We talked about the blockchain. Uh, so, you know, we're, uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, certainly at Amber Road, we, we, we really think that could make a difference, right? If we have a way to, uh, for our customers to leverage the digital data that's in, you know, their system, our system, uh, to be able to then uh, more easily uh, communicate that information through a blockchain capability, uh, to all the players around the world and do that in a secure way, uh, uh, you know, a secure way. Wow. Wow. We think that we think that could be, that could really change, change the game, change the world. So we're excited about the opportunities to, uh, to participate in that particular technology. I think IOT, uh, you know, internet of things, which is certainly a very, very, very broad uh, topic, but with regard to the global supply, what it mostly means is the ability to uh, automatically provide updates to the movement of goods, um, and there there may be other paradigms and other use cases, but and 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 not just the location of the goods, but the uh, maybe even the status of the goods, right? Temperature and uh, you know some other things that 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 I think IoT can provide. So you know today uh, or in the past, let's say you know the way that folks were doing this was through you know EDI, right? And EDI isn't going away. I mean, I don't know if, if people out there think that EDI is going to go. Away. I'm certainly in the camp that says it won't go away, but if we can, you know, start with a, a transaction that may be the purchase order or an ASN or the information that represents a good bit about the shipment, augment it in an automated way with product attribute data that's sitting in this digital master database and uh, augment it with other rules that, that run against the transaction. And then, um, you know, leverage, you know, leverage this, this digital information uh, to be able to communicate that. Uh, I'm sorry, to be able to then take the IOT data like in, in a very easy way, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know I, can, I can now track ships and containers as they move throughout the world or will be able to track that in the near future, then that's just a, just a more efficient way of getting the data. Now, you still need to relate that event data back to the order, the shipment, the, 
you know, customs entry, the bill of lading. I mean, there's so many different kinds of transactions that really represent a global move. You can't just have, where's that container? And, you know, you need to know what's in the container, what orders are in the container, again, what customs entries are in the container. And when you can start to do that, then you really start to leverage value, create value. So, you know, IoT, blockchain, as I mentioned earlier, artificial intelligence and machine learning, I think, are, are also important and uh, uh, very valuable. I don't want to mix those up with pure automation, though, because I don't think they're the same thing. But, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier, being able to look at historical data of moves to ports or through customs or certain commodities and what they do and then starting to predict how long things take. You know, predictive analytics uh, is a bit of a, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So that, I think that's going to grow and that's going to get more and more important over time. Um, and then maybe, you know, quote, big data. Uh, maybe it's not so new anymore, right? It's kind of been around for, for a few years. So, uh, but, but really, really looking at the analytics across um, the, you know, all of your global supply chain data, but then maybe combining that with some external data that may not sit in a global supply chain. Know, pricing info or some other things that you might have and starting to really correlate these things together and and even getting further insight out of that I think are are some of the things that that uh, these new technologies might you know might are coming and uh, and will come yeah no I think you, you hit uh, you hit a lot of the the top ones uh, you know on my list as well you know certainly with you know machine learning and, and big data the combination of those two things you know I think where I'm seeing a lot of the momentum today is is on that predictive analytics, right? That to be able to predict uh, ETAs yeah. and continuously update ETAs, uh, estimated times of arrival as, as, yeah, one, exactly. uh, as one example. You know, with regards to blockchain, again, even though I, I kind of have, a, I, I wear two hats, you know, one of them I see a lot of potential, other ones I, I see some skepticism, uh, you know, along in it. But I think the, in, the, in the arena of global trade in particular, because there are already, you know, customs agencies, both the U.S. and around the world are looking at blockchain. And because I see a value proposition there when you're talking about all the different documents that are involved from a, from a smart contract uh, standpoint, when you're thinking about commercial invoices and bills of lading and everything else, being able to tie all that together in a secure way and, and have, uh, you know, the importer, the exporter, uh, the logistics providers, everyone kind of in a blockchain, if you will, with, with that information being all tied together, I can certainly see the, you know, the, the value proposition there. And then you're right, IoT, I mean, it's something that's been, uh, you know, an, an evolving, you know, category, but I think we'll continue to see more and more, um, you know, examples of automated data capture and that data being able to feed into the, the systems to, you know, enhance, you know, the, the real-time uh, analytics and real-time visibility of what's happening in the, in the global supply chain. So, you know, we're running, uh, you know, short on time here, Ty, so I'm just going to go right to my last question here. I mean, as a way to kind of wrap up, I mean, what questions should, you know, companies ask themselves to assess whether they are on, uh, whether they are on their kind of digitizing, you know, the supply chain journey, whether they're at the beginning or, you know, what prerequisites, like we talked about before, you know, what, what things that they need and, and, you know, to really get started here and, and not only get started, but make sure that they continue to uh, evolve in a smart way moving forward. Yeah, you know, I think honestly, just from what we're seeing, the global supply chain, it's still a green field. Uh, I mean, but I think the questions that, you know, executives can ask and people can ask is, you know, just take a look around and what are they doing today? I mean, how much manual work are they doing today? And I think, you know, most mostly the answer is going to be quite a bit, right? There are still paper doc 
documents. I mean, there's still faxes, right? In, global, in the global supply chain, depending on which countries you're dealing with, you're dealing with faxes. So I think the first question is to take a survey and just ask the troops, you know, what do you do? How do you actually move goods? And well, you know, I pick up the phone, I, I print out a document, I DHL the document over to, you know, my, uh, you know, from the supplier to the broker on the other side or whatever. But I think that's is probably the, uh, you know, the first question. Um, I think a lot of people think their ERP does this. You know, I think if you're certainly as a hire, you're up in an organization, executives probably think, oh, well, okay, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, Oracle or SAP or some other ERP system and it does all this. And, you know, as I'm sure, you know, Adrian, <laughs> the fact of the matter is it doesn't, it doesn't do this stuff. And uh, so I think that's just another question to, to start to ask, to understand, you know, wh where they are today. Um, you know, one question I find interesting that, that really is a reveal for, for uh, I think, executives is ask how many customs entries do they process today? You know, how many customs entries by country, export filings and, and import customs filings, how many do they have? And I, I'll tell you that when that question's asked, uh, I'm going to say more than 90% of companies can't answer that question, right? And, and then when you go one step and say, okay, how much duty am I paying? Well, that's, that's also generally not easily answered. And, and people may say, if they get asked that question, they don't have a digital system and they start to scramble and, you know, and who knows where they're getting the data from and how accurate it is. But I think that's a revealing question that, 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 that folks can ask to understand, you know, where they stand. If, if the answer comes back, we don't know, <laughs> then, then you know that, you know, you're not very far along. Uh, on your uh, on your digital journey, uh, yeah, I, I love that because I mean I think you know if, if you're not able to answer that within uh, you know a few clicks or you know within a few minutes and it takes you a week to answer that question, then then I think that's a red flag, right? <laughs> it tells you where you're at, right? I mean, because if you have a digital system, you should be able to get that answer in an instant, right? Uh, right. You right. Don't even need to ask the question because you already knew the answer before you asked it. But you know, so I don't know, wrap, wrapping up, I guess. I mean, those are some of the things I think. You know. <laughs> The term control tower was starting to be used. I'm sure you know what, maybe five, six years ago, maybe, maybe even longer. I think we, when we think about the global supply chain and the digital, digitizing that supply chain, we think about a control tower. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about a control tower that's a visibility read-only control tower. I'm talking about a control tower that's alive and living and uh, allows for action. So it's, it, is, it does create visibility. You can see through your control tower, but you can also, you know, direct, you know, the airplanes, if you will. You can direct things to happen, take action. And so having that sort of holistic, centralized, global view of everything that's happening in your global supply chain from sourcing through logistics to trade, I think is, uh, is, 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 is where we want to go and is where we want, you know, ultimately the, you know, the companies to go um, uh, in, in, uh, to create all this value. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of great points there. And then, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, you know, when you look at that framework of collaboration, automation, right, and analytics, I think that's a good, good way to kind of ask yourself questions in each of those buckets, if you will, to see wh where you are today. And I think that will, you know, provide a good, uh, uh, you know, path forward, or at least, uh, you know, some direction on where you should be focusing your, your efforts. Well, Ty, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on these topics. And certainly, you know, the global supply chain and, and digitizing the global supply chain is, is such a broad and, and meaty topic that we could probably talk for, we could probably have a whole uh, two-day conference on, on this whole topic, right? 
Uh, but I think you provided some great insights and advice and perspective on this. So, so thank you for making the time to, to be with us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Amber Road website or on the Talk of Logistics website, and you've got a question or a comment for Ty, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talk of Logistics. Have a great day.